Well, we're in the middle of a three-part series on thankfulness. Last week, we looked at how to thank God biblically. This week, we'll look at how to thank one another biblically. And then Nathan will preach and wrap it up next Sunday. Well, this morning, we sang a psalm. Uh, the first song we, we sang was from Psalm 136. Let me read to you some of Psalm 136. Um, the particular version we were singing from was the NIV. So, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Or the NAS says, His loving kindness is everlasting. It goes on to say, give thanks to the God of gods, for His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for to Him who alone does great wonders, for to Him who made the heavens with skill, for to Him who spread out the earth above the waters, for seeing a theme here? So it's a song of thanksgiving, but it's praising God for one of His greatest attributes, that His love endures forever. He is love. My love waxes and wanes, often based upon other people's performance. Shame on me, shame on you, shame on us as people. But God's love endures forever. In fact, He loved us when we were unlovely. He loved us when we didn't love Him. He loved us on the cross when we were still enemies, sinners. So we learned last week that God is worthy to be praised and honored no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. For if we train our hearts to only praise His name in the good times, then what will happen in the tough times? We said last week that the chief end of man is to worship God. We're built for worship, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And those who worship God and glorify Him find that they can enjoy God forever. But if you start life with my own happiness, you will not arrive at glorifying God and enjoying Him forever. You will always find one more thing that's not making you happy. And ultimately, you give God the blame. And so we said last week that if you're going to worship God biblically, you must thank Him. We looked at this pattern of glorify God for who He is, thank Him for what He's done. Glorify God for who He is, thank Him for what He's done. You can't glorify God and worship Him without the thanksgiving component. And yet you can't thank Him unless you do the honoring of God first. It's got to start with honor God for who He is. Glorify God for who He is. Then the thankfulness comes. Well, if you can't worship God without thanking Him, and you can't thank Him without honoring Him, then you can't honor God if you are busy honoring yourself. And so we said we have to get at the root of pride before we can honor and thank God. God is worthy of honor regardless of His acts. Yes, we will thank Him for what He's done. But first and foremost, we praise Him for who He is. Think about this in your human life. Would you rather the people in your lives love you for what you do for them or love you for you? If you teach your heart to love people only for what they do for you, what happens when illness takes over? What happens when their own selfishness takes over and they stop doing the things for you that you like? What if your finicky, fickle needs change and you want them to do different things for you? What if you secretly want them to do things for you but you don't want to tell them and they have to guess? And then you hold them accountable for those things. I would much rather be told, I love you for you then I love you as long as you keep doing X, Y, and Z. Remember Job. Remember Job. God told Satan, look at Job. 
Now there's a choice servant. There's a man who honors me and loves me and trusts me. And Job says, no, the only reason he does all those things is because of what you do for him. It has nothing to do with who you are. And so God allows Satan to take things away from Job to prove, to test Job's heart, to test his love. And even Job's wife says to him, you should curse God and just die. And Job says, shall we only bless God for the good? And we love to sing that song, right? The Lord, He gives and takes away, but my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be Your name. Because God is worthy to be praised for who He is, not just for what He has done. And yet, He is worthy to be thanked for what He has done, and what He is doing, and what He will do. We looked at the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S, as a model for prayer, a great model for our prayer life. A stands for adore, to adore and worship God first before you get to the asking. Isn't that how we normally pray? We just start asking God for things like He's some cosmic Santa Claus or cosmic vending machine. Spend time with God and adore Him for who He is first. Okay, then I'll ask Him for stuff. No, we're going to move on to confession. Because if pride stands in the way of us honoring and thanking God rightly, then we need to confess our sins, to put ourselves in a position of humility before His throne, to remind us that God, no matter what else He does for us for all eternity, has already done the greatest thing He could ever possibly do for us. Greater love have no one than this, that He didn't lay down His life for His friends. He gave us His life. What more could He give? You know the song, Oh, how He loves you. Oh, how He loves me. Oh, how He loves you and me. Repeat and repeat often. After confessing sin and receiving His forgiveness, which you know in Christ He has forgiven you, then we can move on to asking for things. No, we're going to move on to thanksgiving. Thank Him for what He's done. Thank Him for who He is. Thank Him for what He's going to do. Thank Him for others. Now we're ready for S, supplication, which is a nice synonym for asking for things. That begins with S. So, supplication. Except our supplications, now that our heart's in the right place and we're others-focused and we're God-focused, we can ask on behalf of others. We shouldn't start our supplication for I want this and I need this and please give me this. And we give supplication on behalf of others. When the Scriptures say, when Jesus says, anything you ask in my name shall be given to you. Now that can't mean anything I ask He's just going to give me. Because I've asked for stuff and I haven't gotten it. My Christmas list, I couldn't check all the boxes off with God. No, when you have a heart that is after God's own heart, when you have a heart like Jesus's, when you ask in His name, Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, then you learn to start asking for things that God likes to give. God, can you please give me more humility, patience, kindness, gentleness, love, self-control? These are the things God likes to give. In the book of James, ask for what? And He'll give it liberally. What? Ask for wisdom. God's wisdom. I have plenty of my own wisdom. doesn't get me very far. I want God's wisdom but I need a humble heart to receive God's wisdom. These are the things that we learn to ask for. So I hope you did the homework assignment last week and 
I said, dwell on God's attributes and glorify Him for who He is and then thank Him for the things He's done. And we looked at Psalm 136 just now and look at the list there. Glorifying Him and thanking Him for being the God of God, the Lord of Lords, for alone doing great wonders. I do things, but we wouldn't call them great wonders. God alone does great wonders. I think we're easily impressed because we look horizontally. My alma mater won a football game yesterday. Go Bruins. You see 80,000 people, 90,000 people in the Rose Bowl giving praise and honor and glory to football players. really wasn't that great. Trojans aren't that good anyways, so it was an easy win. I'm going to get... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it after this, huh? Why is he wearing blue and gold in winter? Hmm. Compared to God, anything we've accomplished as human beings is, is small. It's, it's, it's not that great. God spoke the universe into existence. To him alone does great wonders. To him who made the heavens with skill... To him who spread out the earth above the waters, to him who made the great lights, the sun to rule by day, the moon and stars to rule by night. Then they get into what God has done for Israel. Notice even the praise in the Psalms tend to be corporate praise. What God has done for us as a people. We've got it backwards. We we get very individual, very self-focused. So this is how God wants to be thanked. Glorify Him, thank Him for what He's done. Most of all, thank Him for His greatest act, your salvation. Don't leave home today without knowing what to thank God for. If you don't know God personally, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then ultimately there's nothing to be thankful for because life is a vapor and it's all going away, and you can't take it with you. But if you know Christ as Lord and Savior, you have something to be eternally thankful for, and you will thank Jesus for all eternity for your salvation. If you, if you don't have that hope and that faith, the rest of the sermon really doesn't matter. So make that decision in your heart now. Well, I figured part two of the sermon series would be a lot easier. Okay, I know how to say thank you to other people. And so my plan this week was to find some scriptures of people thanking people in the Bible, and put them up on the screen, do some exegesis, and um, lo and behold, there's 160 uses of thank, thanks, or thanksgiving in the Bible. Thank, thanks, or thanksgiving. Two of them involve people thanking people. And one of those is a leper thanking Jesus Christ for supernaturally healing him, which I would put in the category of thanking God. So we're down to one scripture on how to thank people. And it comes at the end of Romans, and it's almost just kind of a passing thought as Paul is saying hello to all kinds of people in the Roman church, you know, the end of Romans, greet this person, greet this person, and every once in a while we get a little nugget about that person, but it's a a laundry list of people we don't know, but Paul knew very well and wanted to send a special greeting to, and he says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, or he actually says Prisca, which must have been like a nickname for Priscilla, term of endearment. Uh, Greek Prisca and Aquila who put their necks out on the line for me, to whom I, I give thanks. And then Paul says, in fact, I give thanks to all the churches. So they didn't even have time to revel in the personal thanks. That's it. And then all kinds of hard 
work hit me this week that I was not expecting and was not penciled on my calendar. And that'll drive you to your knees. I got to preach a sermon now because I told everyone, God, last week, next week, we're going to learn how to thank people biblically. And there's no examples in the Bible of thanking people. So do you not want us to say thank you to people, God? No. 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 Right? You were taught your whole life to say thank you. So was I. In fact, my mom drilled into my head thank you cards, protocol. Got to write the thank you card. Handwritten. Minimum of three lines. No formulas either. You got to personalize it. Thank you, Mom, for teaching me to have a thankful heart. It's really coming in handy now because I have literally hundreds of people to thank all the time. Yet no examples of writing thank you cards, although Paul's epistles are letters. Okay, so let's look at Paul's epistles because I know in there he, he says often, I thank you for something. At least that's what I thought in my head he said. But let's look at the greetings to some of Paul's epistles. Romans 1.8 First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Paul is thanking God for the other believers in his life for their faith, which is going out through all the world because they're in Rome. They're in the capital, the epicenter of the Roman Empire. What a strategic place for Christians to spread their faith. And now it's going out to all the world. So is he thanking the people or is he thanking God? Both, yeah, he's thanking God, thank you. He's thanking God for people. But he's thanking God for the people's faith in God. Interesting. It's like an indirect thank you to people. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.4. Now this one's really interesting to me because you know what this letter was all about. This church needed a spanking. It's one rebuke after another. But he starts the letter with, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in Him, in all speech and all knowledge. He's actually picking out spiritual gifts here, which we know the Corinthian church was full of braggarts. People boasting that their spiritual gift was better than everyone else's. So he's thanking God. He says, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you so that you are not lacking in any gift. I am thanking God that you do have these great gifts. And later I'm going to rebuke you for being prideful about them. But right now I am thanking God for a church that has all the spiritual gifts. You have everything you need in Christ to be a great testimony to your community, to the city of Corinth. Can you thank God for people that you know are in sin? Could you thank God for people who are making your life miserable? These people, many of them, were spreading rumors about Paul. They were saying he's not very impressive. They were saying he's just in it for the money. I mean, the guy sacrificed his life. He was beaten and stoned, shipwrecked. All these things happened to Paul because he wanted to see God glorified and people come to faith in Christ. And then those very people he led to the Lord turned around and said, Paul's not very impressive. The way he looked, they said, wasn't impressive. The way he spoke wasn't impressive. They said he's just there to get their money. But he said, I didn't even ask you for any money. I worked a night job making tents. But he starts his letter with saying, I thank God for these people, these wonderful, wonderful people in my life. Because he knows behind the sin and behind the pettiness is a heart that's been regenerate and just needs time to be sanctified and to grow. 
you're going to do Christian ministry, you need to learn that people will hurt you and you will hurt other people and disappoint them. But you don't stop giving thanks for people. Would you like an empty church? No. Sometimes. No. I know we have those days. And you sit at home and you think a church of one, I'll be better off. But I thank God for all of you being here. I'm encouraged when the pews, not really pews, but I can't help it, when the chairs that link together into pews <laughs> are filled with people that other people wanted to come this Sunday to glorify God, that you couldn't wait to sing praises to Him together. I'm so encouraged for you. Whether or not you like the sermon, I'd rather preach to a hundred instead of ten. But if God brought ten, I'd give Him thanks for that too. But I like it when the church is packed. Not out of pride, but for God. Pack the church out. If you're having one of those Sundays where you think, oh, we could really just use a break today. Come anyways. You go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Come. It's encouraging to one another. And it's glorifying to God. You come with a heart ready to worship even if you don't feel like it. I guarantee God will change your attitude as soon as that first note hits. Wasn't that glorious worship this morning? Amen. Thank you, God, for the gifted musicians and sound technicians we have. Thank you, God, for this beautiful facility we could gather in. But if we had to do the underground church thing, praise God for that too. Philippians 1.3, Paul writing from jail. And their jails weren't the cozy ones we have around here. I know it may not feel that way if you're working in corrections, but I've seen pictures of historically what kind of jail Paul would probably be in. It's a hole carved out of rock. It's dank, it's musty, it's unsanitary. If we had jails like that today, the inmates would get lawyers. And we'd all be in trouble. He says, from this jail, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. He's thanking God for their gospel fellowship that we're committed to the same ultimate purpose and mission. Imagine if Paul was the only evangelist. How disheartening that would be for him. The burden is too great, and yet he had all of these co-laborers in the gospel. Colossians 1.3 we, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. We give thanks to God for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have, which you have for all the saints. So he's thanking God that, look, I'm giving my life for the gospel and thank you, God, that people are getting saved. It's Paul's entire purpose now and mission Thank you, God, that people are getting saved. Thank God for all the people here today because they're believers in Jesus Christ. This gospel we believe in, but we have doubts about at times. Here's the evidence. Here's the proof. God's people. New hearts. New lives. Some of you know some people in this room who were not very nice people. And they're completely different people now. Thank you, God, for what you've done in each heart in this room. Because of the love which you have for all the saints. He's thanking God that they love one another. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. Paul is thanking God for the fruit he sees in people's life. He's not directly telling them, I see this fruit in you, thank you. 
Although, that would be a good thing to thank people for. Thank you, I see love where I used to see hate. Thank you, I see patience where I used to see impatience. Thank you, I see gentleness where I used to see harshness. It would be a good thing to thank people for. But first and foremost, Paul is thanking God for people. Not for what they've done directly for Paul. Because if we train our hearts only to say thank you to people every time they do something for us, eventually we stop saying thank you. Because people eventually will stop doing the things we think we deserve for them to do for us. Oh, they might still be doing plenty for you. But you've trained your heart to say thank you in such a way that it's almost an entitlement. Well, thank you. It's about time. Often, it takes the difficult experience of losing what we had in order to realize how thankful we should have been for it. Let's not wait for that. Let's train our hearts, like Paul, to be thankful to God for people. Good people? Wonderful people? Beautiful people? Helpful people? No, people! Thank you, guys, for people. It is not good for man to be alone. Thank you, God, for people. Yes, I know there's days where it's hard to say that. But I know there are days when the people in my life would find it hard to thank God for me. I'm thankful that they don't decide at that moment that life would be better without me around. Give me a chance. First Thessalonians 1, verse 2, We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, His choice of you. I love this one. He's now thanking God for people's election. You can't possibly take any credit for a direct thank you there. With some, you know, hey, I thank you that God chose you. It doesn't even make any sense, right? I thank God that He chose you. I thank God for your faith. That's a wonderful thing to thank God for. Second Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.3 We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged, and the love of each one of you toward one another grows ever greater. None of these prayers of thanksgiving is for something they've directly given to Paul. That is so different from the way you and I say thank you. So different from the way we've been taught to say thank you. I only write a thank you card when somebody's given me a gift. How about just a card to someone saying, I thank God for you today. Why? What did I do? Just for you. Wow. Could you imagine if you got a card like that? I'd say they want something. (laughs) It's not normal. That is not normal. It is supernatural to be thankful in that way. Second Timothy 1.3, here's Timothy. He's discouraged. Ministry is hard. He's young. He's coming up against all kinds of opposition. Paul sends him this letter, and this is right before Paul was going to die. He knew he was going to be executed soon. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy, for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. I thank God for your faith. Over and over again, I thank God for your faith. I thank God I'm going to spend all eternity with you praising God. Only God can do this in our life. He is responsible for salvation. And so we're thanking God for other people's 
salvation. I can't thank you for your salvation. I can always thank God for your salvation. And no matter what is going on in our relationship, no matter how bad things are, I can thank God first and foremost that we have something in common eternally. We serve the same God and we're saved by the same Jesus. Philemon 1.4, the little letter, you know, the one that you can't flip to because you flip past it. Here's a letter where Paul's writing to a master whose slave ran away from him. God brought this slave to Paul in God's providence, heard the gospel, became a believer. Paul says, you need to go back and ask forgiveness. I'm going to write this letter. You take it with you. And I'm going to urge Philemon to consider his salvation and that he would receive you back not as a slave, but as a brother a fellow slave to Christ Jesus. And so he says, I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. Philemon hadn't done anything for Paul yet. He's thanking God for Philemon's faith because it's the only thing that is going to allow Philemon to accept Onesimus back as a brother. When we have to do conflict resolution and we're one of the parties involved in the conflict and it's another believer our thanksgiving ought to start with, I thank you, God, that the person I'm about to talk to knows you. We have common ground and we have the cross. And at the foot of the cross, nobody should be able to hang on to unforgiveness. So, this person may not give me what I want, but my thanksgiving for him or for her is not dependent on what they do or don't do for me. I thank you, God, that they belong to you and that you save them. How could I not give thanks for them when your son shed his blood for him? If when one believer, when one sinner repents and comes to Christ, heaven throws a party and all the angels rejoice and give thanks to God for His great mercy, how could I not give thanks for those who know Christ Jesus? Well, the answer to that is only if my focus is on what they've done or not done for me. So I had to paradigm shift this week. It was a much harder sermon to study for than I thought it was going to be. But, you know, it never ceases to amaze me that when we come to the Scriptures, what we're expecting on human terms is never there. It tells me, it's one of the evidences that this book is supernaturally written. God does things different than the way we do things. So I never get bored of studying. It's always something surprising. It never gets old. I gotta tell you, my first reaction after doing the word study was, oh no, this isn't going to be one of those you know, five-hour sermon prep sermons. But then I got excited because I'm like, I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to have to dig deeper. Lord, give me time to dig. Here's what I discovered in the Old Testament. When Bible translators use the word thanks, it could be in place of so many different Hebrew Words. I can't give you one Hebrew word that means thanks. So that means when you have your Bible open and you're using an NAS or an ESV and your wife or your kid is using an NIV, yours might say thanks and theirs might say praise at the very same spot or bless. Right? We looked at Psalm 136. His love endures forever. And then other 
verses, uh, translations say, His loving kindness is everlasting. In some places where it says thanks, in other places it says praise. They're almost interchangeable. If people wanted to thank somebody, it was customary to give them a blessing. They would never thank someone without God being part of the equation. The best way to thank someone is to bring God into the picture. May God bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May may He make His face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. May He look upon you with favor and give you peace. That's, That's the way to say thank you. In the New Testament, the primary Greek word for thanks is eucharisteo, or euch, where we get Eucharist from. Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. It's where we get the term Eucharist, where the Catholic Church gets the term Eucharist for, for the Lord's Supper. The root of this word is the Greek word charis, which is grace. Why, today we say, before we eat dinner, time to say grace. Oh, that's where that comes from. Grace, graciousness, gratitude, gratefulness, wishing blessing on another. All of this is wrapped up in the word grace. And when it's used as Eucharisto, it's translated thanks, to give God thanks. Almost without exception, you find thanks being offered to God directly for another person, not thanking people directly without God part of the equation. Though it is good to thank others, we must not forget to thank God for others, for God is the source of good and the rightful recipient of all praise and thanksgiving. So where did we get thank you from in our culture this is what I wanted to know. I'm like, well, where's the thank yous? I even did a, uh, you know, I can program my Bible software. I can put in the phrase, thank you. Nothing. This is something we say. It's not biblical language, although the thought behind it might be biblical. So maybe there's other ways in the Bible that people thank one another. But where did we get thank you in our culture? I did a little research here. I think you'll find this fascinating. It came around the 15th, uh, 16th, 17th centuries. If you were living in a culture where there was a social hierarchy and you were commanded to do something by a superior, they are not obligated to say thank you to you. Right? The king says, do this. You do it. And you don't stand around waiting for a thank you. What if you want to ask the king for something I can't command the king to do, what would you say? If it pleases my Lord, you kind of plant the idea in their head and then they command you to do it. If it pleases my Lord, this is where this came from. We just shortened it to please. So, Around the 16th, 17th century, as you start getting artisans and people in society who are on the same level, they're so used to being commanded or ordering other people to do these things that how does a society function when you're on the same level now? If I do something for you, the other person feels obligated in some way to pay you back. And I can't command you to do it, so I use please, please. If, if it pleases you, would you pass me the roll? Pass me the butter. So when we say please this Thursday around the Thanksgiving table, you know where the root is. You know, well, if they pass me the butter, now I owe them something. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we say in response to the please? Thank you, but where did the thank you come from? The thank you comes from the statement, I will never stop think. Think comes from think. I will never stop thinking about what you've done for me. And we shortened it to thank you. Isn't that fascinating? But now the person who's who's saying that now feels under obligation 
to pay the other person back. In fact, sometimes we use the term much obliged, which is an accounting term. I am in your debt for you passing me the rolls. And we say, you're welcome, which is also from an accounting term that says your debt has been relieved. Or in Spanish, Donada. What? It's nothing. It's nothing. We're good. We're good. In the French, when you say please, you say merci. Mercy. Have mercy on me. I'm about to ask you for something and then I'll be in your debt, so please have mercy on me. I'm in no place to demand anything from you. Which doesn't sound like French people to me at all for some reason. I've got this stereotype in my head that they feel they're worthy of you doing something for them. It's probably not fair to all French people. Or we might say, instead of your welcome, my pleasure. It was nothing. I enjoyed doing that for you. So that's where the please and thank yous come from, and I think we should continue in that social convention. But if you think about it, it's much easier to say thank you to someone oftentimes than to sit soberly in your prayer time and thank God for that person. Think of your kids. Hey, say thank you to your your brother. Thank you. Hey, apologize to your sister. Sorry. Right? These... There's no depth. It's not from the heart. Certainly we can say thank you without meaning the thank you. Sometimes we say thank you like this. Well, thank you. What did that sound like to you? It's about time. Finally. Thank you. Or yes, sarcastically, thank you, Craig. Thank you. Well, gee, thanks. You know, um, you can tell when there's heartfelt thanks and when there's not, especially Christmas morning when the kids unwrap the gift and it's not exactly what they wanted. There's no hiding it, right? I mean, the older they get, the more they try because they know it would be rude to complain. At least I hope your kids would know. So instead of a tantrum, they go... Thank you. (laughs) Next gift. As you get older, you get better at acting. Oh, thank you. Just what I always wanted. Anyone who says just what I always wanted, you know it's not just what they always wanted. Nobody ever gets just what they always wanted. We have been trained culturally to say thank you when someone does something for us, but the Bible is teaching us to give thanks for the gift of people. People are the gift, not what they do for us. Don't train your heart to say thank you only when people do what you expect from them, because expectations turn into demands. And then... Even though they are doing things for you, you lose sight of it because of your selfishness and bitterness. When folks come in to talk to me and there's, there's a relationship that's breaking down, one of the assignments I give them is to write down ten things they're thankful to God about for the other person. And sometimes if things are really bad, they come back and say, I couldn't, couldn't think of. I say, really? You couldn't think of anything? I could think of ten things right now, and I'm not married to her. Right? And she got up this morning, got the kids ready for school, and made them breakfast. And Well, yeah, but that's, that's what? Given? It's a job? Well, everybody does that. Uh-uh, let me tell you. Are you thankful he went to work today and and brought home money for the family? Well, yeah, but he's supposed to do that. Everybody does that. Uh Uh-uh. This is America. People don't go to work anymore, right? (laughs) Sadly. 
No, I've got to counsel people who don't want to go to work. They don't want to hold down a job. Or they didn't come home. They went to work and didn't want to come home. Did he come home? Yeah. Did he eat dinner with the family? Yeah. Yeah, but he didn't help with the dishes. Well, you're only going to be thankful if he or she does A, B, C, D, E, F. The list gets longer and longer to the point where you're never thankful for anyone. How about just giving thanks for who someone is and giving thanks for the potential of who they will become and give God a little time to work. Be thankful God sees the final product. We don't. But we can trust that God will complete the good work He started. I think the greatest thing I could ever hear from someone is, I'm thankful for you. Why? What did I do? Well, you do plenty, but I'm just thankful for you. For you. That I have a relationship with you. Isn't that ultimately what God wants us to be thankful for? For Him? Of course He does great things for us. Has done great things for us. Will do great things for us. But ultimately He wants us to glorify Him and enjoy Him. There's so much about Him to enjoy. And that's what we get. That's the prize. That's the prize of our salvation. Not God doing things for us for all eternity. The prize is we get God. We get relationship. So we need to start cultivating our hearts now to see one another as the prize. Relationship with you is the gift. Adam in the garden, naming the animals, Lord, there isn't one like me. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make you a suitable helper. And now this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This is somebody I can relate to and have companionship with, somebody to love before Eve did anything for Adam. That's your wedding day. Before he or she does anything for you, you are just so grateful to have someone to call your own special person in your life. And then, after the honeymoon, we start demanding that you do this for me or you do that for me. You see what happens to the honor. You can't thank someone that you don't honor. It's the same sermon I gave last week just with people. You want to be thankful for people, you have to honor people for who they are first. You want to thank God, you have to honor Him for who He is first. It's just that we have so much to honor, so much more to honor God for, and no sin getting in the way. But because our fellow believers are in Christ, we can thank God for their salvation and for the potential. We can thank, from, thank them for who they are now in Christ and thank them for who they will be. And if I never get that thing that I want from them, that doesn't change anything. I will choose to be thankful. Because being alone is hard. And having someone is always better, no matter how hard it is, to be around me sometimes. It's a lie from the devil to say you would be better off being alone. Well, then I don't have to deal with people's stuff and I don't have to be patient and I don't have to compromise. It's not true. Don't believe it for a second. If that were the case, then God would not have created humanity and would not have redeemed us all. He would have been better off with just the Trinity. Not to say God's lacking anything and had to create us to enhance His life. But the fact that He didn't just wipe us all out and instead sent His Son to die for us tells us relationship is the gift. Relationship's the gift. So I did find a passage. You know what? My wife found a passage for me. My helpmate. She said, why don't you look at Colossians 3, 12-17. So let's, let's look there together.
You know how Paul writes. Beginning of the epistle, theology. Orthodoxy. Last half of the epistle, how to put it into practice. Orthopraxy. Orthodoxy. Orthopraxy. Right behavior always follows right thinking. If you try to clean up your act without right thinking, you will just become a legalist. A moralist. So Paul preaches on the preeminence of Christ for two chapters, and then gets to chapter 3, and he says, So, therefore, as those who have been chosen of God, he points to our election first. Look, you were chosen by God. He made you holy by giving you the righteousness of His Son. You're beloved. He loves you. Is there anything better than to be loved by God? Because of these things, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let me ask you this. Would you rather get a thank you card from someone, or would you rather them treat you with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience? Which would you rather have? Which one says thank you more? (laughs) You want a letter? Oh, the ladder. I thought you said the ladder. I'm like, we need to talk afterwards. <laughs> the behavior is proof that what you write in the letter, you mean. Don't tell me thank you. Show me thank you. Right? James says, show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Don't tell me you love me and then treat me like dirt. I like to hear I love you, but even better, I like to experience I love you. Just as uh, the Lord forgave you, so also should you, beyond all these things, put on love. If you put on love first, thankfulness will follow. You thank people that you love. I love this, uh, this word, the bond of unity. That word bond has the picture of almost like a girdle. I had a Greek prof- wacky Greek professor at Masters. I think John always has one wacky professor to keep everyone else from getting too serious about themselves. And I guess he preached a chapel message, which I didn't get to see, where he opened his coat and was wearing a girdle. And he's like, are you man enough to put on the girdle of love? Great message, I missed it, and John told him, don't ever do that again. But I bet he also told him, that was really cool. That's really cool. Put on the girdle of love. Put on the bond of love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And after doing all this, and be Thankful. See, the thankfulness follows all those other things. It's almost an afterthought. Oh, and by the way, be thankful, but you can't help but be thankful after you're already doing these other things. You do all these other things, and then verse 16 becomes natural. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. If we were doing these things throughout the week, Sunday morning, we'd be bursting through these doors, waiting to sing with thanksgiving in our hearts. Start the music. It's 1035. Why are we waiting? I want to praise God. I'm so full of thankfulness. And the worship team says, because Pastor Brent went long for service. So we're waiting for people to come and go. I'll take the blame for the late the late starts. I'm getting better, though. 
Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. And then he says in verse 17, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him, through Jesus, to God the Father. Ultimately, all thanks goes to God and through God. Let's not just say thanks to one another for what we do for one another. Let's thank God through Jesus Christ for one another because you are the gift to me. I am the gift to you. Not what I do for you, not what you do for me. Certainly, I am thankful for all that you do, but I am learning to be just plain thankful for you, for your salvation, for your faith in Christ. These are people I get to be with for all eternity. Imagine cultivating ingratitude and hate in your heart for another believer. What are you going to do in heaven? They're going to be there all the time. Therefore, then, here's my therefore. Paul had his therefore. Therefore, we ought to glorify God for who He is and thank and praise Him for what He has done, what He is doing, what He will do. It's a new homework assignment this week. Likewise, we ought to glorify God and thank Him for the people in our life. Let's learn to be like Paul. Let's thank God for the people in our life. For the fellowship of all the saints and for their faith in Christ and love for the gospel. Yes, it is also proper and good to give thanks to others for what they have done, but we should always thank God first and learn to appreciate the people in our lives for who they are in Christ, not just for what they do. You, you get it? I got it. I had to learn this this week. I hope I made it clear to you. It's a completely different way of thinking about thanking people. So let's pray together and thank God for Him and for one another. Heavenly Father, indeed, we do praise You for who You are. You lack nothing. We are the ones who are lacking. And yet, we ought to be thankful for one another in Christ. And yet, You are perfect. There's no reason for us not to praise You, honor You, worship You, and thank You. You are the... First cause. You've caused everything to come into being. You've caused everything good in our lives. And so ultimately, all thank yous go to you. Without you, there is nothing to be thankful for. We thank you most of all for you, that we get you for all eternity because Christ died for us. And I pray for anyone this morning, Lord, who doesn't know that to be true. Whatever they've set their hearts on that they think might bring them happiness, that they would know the only thing that brings ultimate, everlasting happiness and joy is you. And that can only happen through faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you for each other, the saints, the brothers and sisters, People who share the same passion we do for you. People who get you. Oh, it's so hard to be around people who don't know you, Lord. They don't get it. Their mind is thinking of other things. Their hearts are driven by other motivations, Lord. So good to be with your people. Thank you we're not alone in our faith. Thank you that we don't labor in the gospel alone. Thank you we're not the only church stacking shoeboxes this morning. That there will be millions upon millions of gospel messages going out around the globe, not just through Operation Christmas Child, but all your missionaries and all the people you are using to make a great name for yourself in all the nations, Lord. And Lord, help us when people in our lives are making it difficult for us to give you thanks. May we be reminded that it is difficult for others to give thanks for us at times. Humble us. Give us hearts of compassion and forgiveness that we can continue being thankful for people. Also knowing that a heart of gratitude for others has a way of changing other people's hearts. May we re repay evil with good 
that we would show kindness to those who are difficult to show kindness to, Lord, that you would be glorified and their hearts would be convicted and changed. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm thankful for all of you. Happy Thanksgiving.